from the holy city which are described in the scroll. And I love in verse 20 it says, He who testifies to these things say, if Jesus were to say a few things to you right now, he only had a few words, I think he would come into this place and say this right here. You don't understand, I'm coming soon. Things are going to happen soon and your, your purpose your mission in this earth is so much more important, perhaps, than, we, than, than, you, than you think that it is. I long for my creation to be with me, and yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Now, we use that text to talk about uh, the warning from the Apostle John, which is, was obviously given to him through a revelation which is why the book is called Revelation, not Revelations. You remember that. You can remember that as well. But John is pointing out that we are not to add or take anything away from this prophecy. Don't add to it. Don't take anything away from it. And we use this just simply to identify what a distortion is. A distortion is something that we, we, we have, you've come to church and you have an understanding of what the Bible says. You have to an understanding of what, uh, what, what you're supposed to believe and the, the truth is somewhere in there, but we have our own distortions that we live with where we add something to the truth or we take something away from the truth. And it's as if we have our own cult inside our head. It doesn't mean we're antichrist or we're cult leaders, but for ourselves, we kind of are. We have this kind of cult mentality. Well, this works for me. I know we're not supposed to worry, but dang, I worry all the time. And I know we're supposed to trust God, but I just don't trust God when it comes to these things. So in other words, we have a twisted, distorted way uh, of understanding faith. And it's these distortions that fuel our anxiety. And so last week we talked again about that, that when we use that word, I want to remind you that you were created to have a functional level of anxiety. Functional level just means when you wake up in the morning, okay, uh, I'm so glad that all of you came into to church this morning fully clothed, okay? You needed that enough to tell you that, hey, maybe I should think about what I should wear. Maybe I think of an order of how I should put my clothes on, and maybe I should think about what actually matches. And, 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 so, and so you have some kind of preparation. You, you're able to recognize things that you have to do before you do them. In other words, we call that a functional level of anxiety. You're going to have to think about things before they happen. You were created with that faculty. But we take this so far that we think we we turn just preparing into worrying and somehow thinking that if I worry about it enough, that thing that I cannot control in the future, somehow it's going to do something for me. And everyone in this room, you have already recognized that truth that we talked about last week. Worry doesn't work. It doesn't get you anywhere. It only gets you distorted. It gets you stressed. It gets you anxious. And in many ways, it gets you incredibly depressed. And the worst thing about it is that when we recognize all the things that we can't control, we become so consumed with all these fears that we no longer are doing the things that we can control. We've let ourselves be distorted and deceived by all these things we're worried about that we have no control over and not doing the things that are right in front of our face that actually can relieve a lot of our stress and give us a lot of confidence in what we can control. 
So this is just a review from, from last Sunday. And so last week we talked about control, as I was just mentioning. We talked about our pursuits, the things that we pursue so heavily that can bring us a lot of anxiety that we were never intended to pursue. And lastly, we talked about the, the resolve for a lot of this is just simple trust. And that comes in Romans 8.28, if you'll put that verse back up there, uh, Chris. Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Do you believe that verse this morning? Every once in a while, or really very often actually, I have something cool happen where I'll read a devotion like on a Sunday morning today that's incredibly relevant uh, to what we're talking about. And by the way, I've said many times before, this is hands down my favorite devotion. Some of you have bought it. It's called Solo uh, from The Message. It's called An Uncommon Devotional by Eugene Peterson. I've been using this one for almost two years now. Uh, It does a style of devotion called Lecto Divina. It's really, really good. So be more than willing to get you a copy of it if if you're going to use it or just tell you what it is. But here's what it says. I want you to to read this before we go to prayer. I want to read this to you before we go to prayer this morning. Ruth Haley Barton voices the questions, is God really good? If I trust myself to him, isn't there a good chance that I will wind up where I least want to be or that God will withhold what I want the most? What if we fear, how often we fear that? There's something I really want. I fear that if I trust God, I won't get what I want. It has a lot to do with that James passage we talked about last week, right? But then he says, Isn't God a little bit like Lucy in the Peanuts comic strip who pulls the football away just as Charlie Brown gives himself completely over to the kick, causing him to fall flat on his face? Take a moment to absorb these questions and reconsider Paul's statement that God didn't set us up for an angry rejection, but for salvation. How do your deep down inside expectations of God correspond with Paul's perspective? With the perspective Barton describes, share with God your honest beliefs about him and your expectations of how he'll treat you. Suspend for a moment whatever disbelief you have and imagine you truly believe God is trustworthy. And so how might you live differently? Let's begin this message with that thought. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes as we open with the word of prayer this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. And this morning it all begins with trust. Much of our anxiety is rooted in that eternal truth. Do we really trust you? Because there's this dichotomy, this duplicity that we have when we say, I trust you, but I'm still worried. I trust you, but, but I really don't. I don't think this is going to work out for my good. And Lord, in a place like this, when we're open to your word, we have to come to a point where we recognize that, that maybe the circumstances aren't the problem. Because no matter where I go, no matter what I do, I'm always going to have challenges. I'm always going to have conflicts. I'm always going to have things that scare me a little bit. But at the end of the day, the question will still be, do I trust you with these things? So, Lord, all across this church this morning, as we open up your word, may we have hearts that are willing and ready to say, yes, Lord, 
your ways are better than my ways. Yes, Lord, your agenda is better than mine. Yes, Lord, your reality is better than my distortions and the ways that I have manipulated the truth. Today, I want to be consumed with your truth. May your spirit speak to me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I, last week we, we did some things that were kind of negative. We talked about distortions that were, were negative and how, how we've made them negative. Today we're going to talk about things that are meant to be positive that we have turned into negative. Some gifts, some things that God has given us and that we have created some distortions about. And so the first one we're going to talk about is prayer. And so here is the distortion that many of us, and I, I mean, I could, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I know, I know some of you pretty well, and I know that this is what you do when you pray. But this is what happens, that prayer, especially in our times when we're really worried, especially in our times when we have a lot of anxiety, prayer is just me bringing God all of my worries. Now, you've heard that before. You've heard a verse like that before that says, cast your anxieties upon the Lord. Well, Pastor Brody, I've been doing that every day, multiple times a day, and it's just not working for me. I agree. I can guarantee you it's not working for you. And the reason I'm telling you that is because that's not all prayer was meant to be. Prayer is not just us bringing God all of our worries. The evidence of that is that you already prayed a litany that's, that's great as a litany, but it's also meant to be a model for how what our prayer life should look like. And you did that right here in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Remember this verse? Have you heard this one before? Then this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done on earth, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want to leave that verse right up there, Chris. And in and, and this first thing, if, if, you, if, if all that you're doing in prayer is bringing your worries and you don't see the, the, the results that you're looking for, I can imagine that you actually feel worse after you pray. Because all you've done in that moment is re- remind yourself of everything that you're worried about. You've reminded yourself of everything that you're worried about, and you've gone to prayer, and now you walk out probably more worried. Now, true, we're, we're supposed to do this biblically. It's, it's meant to be part of our prayer life. We're supposed to trust God with everything that what we need, but what you're doing in this moment, whether you meant to do it or not, and I know you didn't, is that you're saying that you're committed to the blessings of God. You're committed to the things that that he can give you, that you believe that he can give you, that maybe he'll work something out for you, but you're not committed to the relationship. In other words, you're seeking him for his hands and not for his face. It's another way of saying we want God to give us something, but we don't want to know him. We don't want to get to to understand what his ways are and who he is because it's who he is that he places in us that brings about change in our life, not just always coming to him with this next thing that we think we really, really need. Now, I'm saying that because remember that needs part, that's in that prayer, isn't it? 
Give us today, you could find that in, in verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. That's a gr- another way of saying, give us today the things that we need. Not want. Give us today the things that we need, that you know we need for ourselves. Maybe we don't even know that we, we need them. We would have never wished for them ourselves, but we need them. Sometimes we have a hard time. We addressed this last week because in James chapter 4, we receive a con- we, we, we can have a conflux of faith because it says, because what, you know, what is it that, why do you have all these fights and quarrels? It's because you desire some things, these desires that, that are inside of you. And you don't get because you can't ask God because you know if you'd ask God, these things have nothing to do with him. <laughs> these are just things that you want for yourself. And we can be so consumed with these things and it's not what we need. But look at what else is in this prayer. It starts with hallowed be your name. There's an attitude of worship. There's a, it talks about your kingdom come. There's an attitude of, of making things about God's kingdom and not yours. And there's this piece about forgiveness like we're supposed to forgive other people when we pray see you begin to worship God place remind that he's seated on the throne and you're not you begin to uh, you, you begin to, to say it's about your kingdom and not mine it's about what you want and not me you begin to ask for forgiveness from him receive grace and distribute that grace to others If we pray that way on a regular basis, we will be changed. We will be changed on the inside. And we can come out of prayer time realizing that, hey, this this isn't about me. And all these things that I'm so worried about, well, God's got a lot of these things. And these things are all about me. And God's got all this stuff under control. What am I so worried about? This is the kind of thing that can happen to us if we make prayer about something more than just our worries. And, I, and I'm saying this because I know how common this is. It's not just in this church. It's all over the place. That this is what we do in prayer. Just come and tell God everything you're worried about and go home and think that's, and then quit praying and think that's going to work. And I'm telling you, if you keep doing that, for after a while, if that's your pattern, that's all that prayer is to you, you can come out of prayer feeling worse. But I want you to experience the living God when you pray. Experience comes when we ask for forgiveness. Experience comes when we worship. Experience comes when we place his kingdom above ours and we take a look at our life and say, wait a second, is this about me or is this about something bigger than myself? Church, that's what you were created for. And so, um, because somewhere, what happens to these worries? Somewhere in the forgiveness you let go. Somewhere in the worship you let go. And somewhere along in the kingdom idea of being part of something bigger than yourself, you begin to let go of your worries and you're reminded of what really, really matters. This is available to you if we see prayer in a different way than our distorted view that it's just me bringing God my worries. The presence of God, you can have an encounter with the presence of God as much of you as you want to. In fact, you already do. Secondly, gratitude. The next distortion that we have is a positive thing we were supposed to have. We have a distorted view of gratitude. A distortion kind of looks like, how can I be grateful when I'm on edge? Anybody ever been on edge before? 
and have all of these things to worry about. Be grateful. That's the last thing I want to hear in Scripture. And then I will read. As with that, I will read Philippians 4, 5 through 7 to you. Let your, in the midst of all your stress, in the midst of all your edginess, in the midst of somebody cutting you off in traffic and almost killing you before you came here, to church this morning, in the midst of having to get your kids ready or having an argument with your husband or your wife before you came to church. Verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul presents it here that gratitude is the key to peace. Gratitude is actually the key to prayer. When we see Paul is extending that invitation again, you can bring your anxiety, bring your, bring your petitions to the Lord. But while you do these things, be grateful. Because in the middle of all of this, in the, in the middle of everyone's anxiety, and you, you can look at yourself and, and examine this for yourself, right? In the middle of everybody's anxiety is this distortion of worst-case scenarios, right? Isn't that, at the end of the day, what we fear? We fear that this thing that's happening right now is going to get so far out of hand, and it's going to go all the way down the road to the worst-case scenario. And the problem with this, the problem with this is that there are so many best-case scenarios that you're living in right now. You have a roof over your head. You're able to be here on a Sunday morning. Your health is, you're, you're, you're able to be here, you know, and you got your health intact. You have relationships. You have other people around you. you, could, you could, you're living out in so many ways some best-case scenarios, but yet we're consumed with all of the worst-case things that could happen. So I've talked about this illustration many, many, many times before. And I have this, this art that's been in my office and, and had this kind of customized. My little brother made it for me for my 40th birthday. And so I just want to remind you about this again. You should know what this is. Uh, I want you to know what this is called. You can remember this, okay? I've done this before, so it's nothing new this morning. But now you have an image to go with it, okay? I call this the table of grace, table of grace is what you were created for. This is the table of grace right here. Look at that. All of that food, all of that feast, that there's so much there that if you would just bump into it, something's going to fall off. That's how full it is. And this is where you were created to reside, to remember that you are blessed. I mean, you, you want to make comparisons because that's what we like to do. You, you live in the United States of America. We possess, I can't remember what the statistics are, but we possess something like 70% of the world's wealth. Maybe it's more than that. I think it was like 80 or something. You have resources. Well, okay, we, we talked about intermittent fasting. We're the first ones in the history of the world that has a diet that gives people a high five because you went to bed hungry. When people, the whole goal of the existence is to not go to bed hungry. Now we have, it, we have so much food and so much stuff, we have to keep from eating all of it. So congratulations, Intermittent faster, you went to bed hungry. You've accomplished something in America. That's how much resources, that's how much stuff we have. At the end of the day, we can recognize that we are blessed. 
But the problem is, there's another table here too. We call that the table of garbage. And that's really just like an image over there in that corner of some stuff. It looks like, like some dead fish heads or whatever, you know, that somebody pulled out of the trash or dragged in somewhere. And we put that on the table. And the problem with, with the chair at that table is that is that, that, that one piece of garbage, that's all that we see. And I think some of you know what it's like to live in that world. We've got one big issue right now in your life, and that's all that you can see. It's consuming everything with you. And, and, and that is where you are choosing to reside, is at the table of garbage. And the problem with the table of garbage is that you don't see all the blessing right behind you. You come, you, you, you're going to have to deal with some garbage in life. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't take that away from you. It's actually biblical that you do. You're going to have to deal with some tough stuff. You're going to have to deal with some conflicts. That's part of this experience. But you, man of God, woman of God, you were not created to reside there. You get to come home to the table of grace. You get to deal with the conflicts in your life, and you don't have to reside in the middle of that conflict. Because the beautiful thing about this chair, the chair at the table of grace, is it sees the garbage in the peripheral vision. It sees the garbage down there. It knows it's part of life. It knows it's something it's going to have to deal with. But that's not where I live. That's not what I come home to each night. I remember, I know who I am, and I am someone who is blessed. See, gratitude goes to war with the worst case scenarios because it lives in reality. Hear this. Gratitude lives in reality. You have stuff now in this moment that you can be grateful for. And the worst case scenario is the distortion that keeps coming back. It's the stuff that is not happening to you, but you are giving all of your energy and all of your anxiety over to. See the, see the conflict here? You were created to live in what's real. And man of God, woman of God, you are blessed. Let's live there at the table of grace. So you have the choice. You can live in reality or you can live in distortion. You can be consumed with worry and see nothing else in life, or you can reside at the table of grace and deal with conflicts and challenges as God has given you the gifts and faculties to do so. Gratitude is the home that you can come back to. Gratitude is where you must reside. And as, as, as you journey as a Christ follower, gratitude is going to remind you, it's going to be like a compass, reminding you who you are and where you have been. Just because you're in the middle of a conflict, just because you don't see how this thing is going to get worked out, gratitude, being able to say thanks for all that you've been given is going to remind you who you are and where you've been. And, of course, it's going to remind you of the God that you serve. Finally, the last distortion is peace. I am so guilty of this one here, this just believing this distortion. I do it all the time. Here's the distortion. I will have peace when my current stressful situation is resolved. Just let me get these things taken care of, and then I will be good. Let me deal with this and I'll have it all under control. So another way of saying this is that if I check off everything on my list, then I will have peace. Now this 
is a very dangerous distortion for two reasons. First of all, one is because what happens when one stressful situation turns into another? First, you had one really stressful situation on your plate. Now you got two. Now you got three. Now you got this thing going on with your kids. Now you got this thing going on with your grandkids. Now you got five. Now you just had one, and now you have seven. I mean, by default, by your own qualification for what is stressful, now you're defaulting to overwhelmed. I'm automatically overwhelmed because I have all of these things going on in my life. God, how could you possibly expect me to manage all of these things? How could you possibly expect me not to be anxious? So we can't just make it about one thing or a couple things because these things are coming. I'm sorry. I wish I could take them away from you. But good blessings are coming your way, but so are conflicts and so are challenges. I wish I could schedule them for you. You know, you're going to have a flat tire tomorrow, 3.30, okay? Then you're going to go get an estimate for how long. It'll just be five hours where they can fix it for you. You're going to have to get a ride then or decide how you're going to do that. Then they're going to fix the tire, but they don't do alignments there. So then you're going to have to go figure out where you're going to get an alignment. Yeah, that, that's, I'm just dealing with my, my stuff, right? This is what happens whenever we get a tire issue. But so that's the first dangerous dis- distortion. The next one is that um, the other reason is the deception that we are not living in the present, that we have let stressful circumstances cause us to receive an antichrist cultish principle that we cannot have peace now. That it's not yours to have right now. That you, you have, you, God didn't tell you this. The enemy wants to tell you this, that you can't have it. You can't have peace in this moment. I'm talking to you sitting here in church right now. If you're anxious about anything, you've, 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 you've allowed the enemy to deceive you to think you cannot have peace right now. And I'm here to tell you with a microphone in my hand that you can it is yours to receive. See, how blasphemous would it be for me to tell you that here in this church, you cannot have peace today. If you, if, but you could. I, I See, some of you have only been here like twice this month. If you would come four times a week, four times a month, you would have peace. I've, if you all would just give just a little bit more in the offering, you would have peace. The reason you don't have peace is because you don't give. You don't, you don't give in the offering. What if I would tell you that, that if, if you would say amen during my messages a bit more, then you would have peace. But until you all do, you won't have it. Now, now, see, that's all it takes sometimes, right? But you should fire me and ask for my resignation if I would say something so ridiculously blasphemous like that. That peace is conditional on your performance. Peace is conditional. Are you checking something off of a list? It is yours now, in this moment, in the midst of your chaos, to receive. It sounds blasphemous, but yet you do it all the time. I can't have peace right now. I can't see the situation through any other way than stress. Uh, And we, we trick ourselves into believing that we serve a God that peace is circumstantial and conditional. And so here we are again, drinking the Kool-Aid, catching Haley's Comet, and listen to everything Tom Cruise tells us, right? We're back in the cult world again. Our own distorted views that we have created about Scripture and the God that we serve. This is not truth that we're telling ourselves. It's a distortion. And peace is yours to receive. 
And so here's the word in Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your body, excuse me, rule in your hearts, since we are members of one body. You were called to peace and be thankful. The key word in that text is to let it rule. That's your choice. You can sit at the table of grace and let peace rule in your life, or you can sit at the table of garbage and let anxiety rule your life. See, God works in the way of conviction, doesn't he? Conviction is, remember, condemnation is when the the enemy tells us we're a failure and we're never going to mount up to God's expectations. That's, that's That's a distortion. That's not biblical. But God works in the way of conviction where he's always inviting you to a better way. And God is speaking to us over your circumstances, over your anxiety right now. Let peace rule. Let me take this from you. Hey, I got this. How about we just spend some time and get to know each other? Because once you get to know me, you're going to realize that this stuff, it really doesn't matter that much. I know it matters a lot to you. I know you can't figure it out, but will you just trust me with this? Because I'm ready to work with you in the present, not in all of your worst-case scenarios. Because go ahead, look at your history. Did all the worst-case scenarios happen? Maybe some of them did, but most of them spent a lot of time worrying and anxious about nothing. So what an amazing invitation. You can have peace right now in this moment. Jesus did not take up a sword as Peter wanted him to, the Garden of Gethsemane. He did not see life as a sword as something to be fought for. But what he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane was Jesus, I mean, he asked the Lord to take this cup from me as if it was a cup. It was something for him to be received. Jesus saw life as a cup, something to be received. Peace is not something, church, that you have to fight for. It's something as a man or a woman of God that in this moment, you can receive it. Let's pray. All across this room this morning, may men and women of God sense the Spirit of God as the peace that passes all understanding. The invitation that reminds them that you are near, that you are with them. In the midst of your chaos, in the midst of your frustration, in the midst of your stress, I'm right here. I can give you something that doesn't make sense. I can give you something, and and all of your problems won't be worked out. (laughs) But you will be. You'll be worked out in a way that says, that that is empowered by the Spirit of God. And and ready to face the things that, that come your way with a new level of confidence and just simple easiness and trust in the living God. So, Lord... I believe your spirit is alive and living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, and I believe you're speaking to people today. And You know who you are, and so right now, in your own way, will you just receive the peace of God this morning? The Lord wants to cover your heart. He wants to give you something that you need. Maybe it's not what you want, but it's what you need.
receive the peace of God this morning. Lord, thank you for each and every one here. May we receive your peace and your power and be transformed by your love and your anointing over our lives, the anointing that breaks the yoke, that breaks the burden and brings empowerment to do the will of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand this morning for your benediction. A real simple benediction this morning. You said your, it was your brother-in-law, right? Okay. And what was his name again? Okay. Well, Dave just got a phone call that his, that his brother-in-law had passed away. So we want to take this to the Lord as well. And, and we have a, 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 a before we uh, do our benediction this morning. You said Joe, right? Okay. Well, Lord, mind if I pray over you here. Lord, we lift up Dave and his family to you for Joe's family in this season. And in moments like this, there is a, a suddenness, an imminence of what has just transpired. And, and we were created to draw near to each other in these times as we draw near to you. So as we prayed for the peace that passes all understanding, I pray that you would allow them to mourn together. You'd allow them to remember together. And you would allow them to celebrate together Joe's life. They will be reminded of the legacy that is always passed on whenever we have to say goodbye to someone because we can always learn and glean from what they have left us. So, Lord, I pray your anointing upon Dave, upon Darla, and upon this family to grow together and be there in this moment, this sacred moment, as they take these steps forward. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Your benediction this morning. May the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.